and welcome back to everything you never needed to know about movies, music, and theater. I am your host, Matthew Garland, and I want to say thank you so much for coming back and listening to a new episode. Um, we've uh, the uh, traffic on the last couple have kind of slowed down, so I uh, know probably the best thing wouldn't be to just record another one right away. But hey, that's how my mind works, and I have different thoughts and different ideas and um, maybe not everyone's a fan of Brian Wilson. So it, it just happens. Um, everyone has their own opinions, but I want to thank everyone who's listened to it already and who continues to listen and please keep supporting the channel. Um, right now I do have an official um, contributor. Um, that would be my buddy, uh, Chris Rose, uh, who is the host and the leader of Mass Mouse Fans, uh, which I am also a contributor on. And um, it's very exciting to have him supporting me in that way. And uh, you can too for just a buck, you know, or five bucks or 10 bucks um, through Anchor. So please look for that um, on the uh, Anchor website uh, where everything you never wanted to know about movies, music, and theater, movies, music, and theater belongs. Um, and just keep supporting the channel. I, I, I appreciate, I love doing this. I really do. I joke about it, but it, it really is, um, cheaper than therapy. Um, and I just really, I enjoy being able to, um, bring this forward for people. And, you know, it's just a lot of, um, a lot of fun. So, um, with all that being said, we're going to jump into an interesting topic today. So, in the last couple episodes, I have I made a very conscious conscious decision um, to talk about subjects that I cared very much for, um, in terms of my admiration. There was a little um, uh, uh, fear fear. Uh, there was a little bit of a criticism about it. But for the most part, it, um, I definitely, um, I really love those topics and I really wanted to start with positivity. With that being said, now um, I want to talk about stuff that I'm not as positive about. And this may lose some fans of people who, um, you know, like the podcast already, but I do think it's important to talk about things we don't particularly enjoy and like, and, um, and, you know, being in movies, music, and theater, um, there's a lot of stuff that I don't like, and I'm not just going to shit on it and just be like, oh, this is terrible, blah, 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 blah. I really want to delve deep a little bit into what makes this, um, what makes these bad and what, you know, what the fact that it, it, these, these, the, the, these projects, these productions, these whatever exist and we have to deal with, you know, I just want to talk about them and I want to have, I have things to say. I have things that back up my argument. Again, it's just my personal opinion. So if you disagree Hey, you can send me a message on Anchor. You can email me at matthew.garland at gmail.com, which I 
am checking now. Um, but I definitely want to hear from everyone if they agree, if they don't agree, and you know just what they want to do. So, um, so with that being said, uh, let's not waste any more time, and let's not delay this any further. Today, we're going to be talking about Shrek. I know, such a bummer, man. We love Shrek. Shrek is so funny. Now, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to distill it down to the musical version of Shrek. All right. We're going to just talk about the musical version of Shrek. We're not. I will touch on the uh, the movie with Mike Myers and Cameron Diaz, Eddie Murphy and John Lithgow. I'll talk about the children's book, which it actually is based upon by William Stegg. Um, but this will primarily be about the musical. So settle in, people. Uh, this is what we're going to be talking about. So Shrek is a children's book that was written in 1990 by William Stegg. Um, the synopsis is basically that it's about a repugnant ogre who is forced to leave home and through unseen circumstances ends up saving a princess and um, uh, does in the book they do end up together but um, everything that happens in the movie is a little bit different so um, so the book was done Spielberg of course Steven Spielberg of course actually acquired the rights in 1991 and was planning to produce a traditional animated film with it um, now it's just some background on this because um, so for those who maybe don't know, don't realize this, or don't know this. So I'm a screenwriter, I'm a playwright, and I do go out and look for things that I can possibly purchase the rights to. Um, Spielberg buys everything; <laughs> he really does. If he likes it, he will purchase it. There's a book called The Last Book in the Universe that, um, in college, I actually tried to get the rights, and it turned out Spielberg owned them. And it wasn't like it was a. Uh, 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 um, it, it wasn't like it was a bidding war. It was like Spielberg owned them. That's it. So, um, so Spielberg owned it, and he then formed DreamWorks with Jeffrey Katzenberg. So Kat, Jeffrey Katzenberg put it into active de development, and um, originally it was going to be a traditional animated film. Uh, I think they wanted Bill Murray to play Shrek and Steve Martin to play uh, Donkey. Um, and then things started to change and once traditional animation unfortunately seemed to shit the bed they decided to go with um the computer generated imagery and at the time jeffrey kensberg had just been kicked out of, well, not kicked out he left disney um and he wanted to get back at them and this was the chance for him to do that and to put up a competition with um, Pixar. So, um, so with uh, so when they decided to go this route, um, they actually cast Chris Farley, but unfortunately he died before he was actually able to finish. Um, there's actually a story reel on YouTube that has some of Farley's dialogue, and I really think it would have been ten times better with Farley. And that's not to say anything against Mike Myers. 
you know, you like him, you don't like him. I think sometimes he's funny. I think sometimes he's annoying. Um, but I really love uh, love what I heard from Farley. So, um, so after Farley passed on, Mike Myers took it up. They had to rewrite the entire script. Basically, Farley was kicked to the curb, um, and Myers, very much like what he did to Dana Carvey, uh, took over the role, and um, it's basically Fat Bastard in a kid's animated movie. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny, it's a good thing, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and so then... Uh, Eddie Murphy was cast as Donkey, Cameron Diaz was cast as Fiona, Princess Fiona, and um, um, John Lithgow was cast as Lord Farquaad, and the movie became what it was, and the movie itself, there's a lot of um, cultural references, you know, to, to Disney, for the most part, it's all like an attack to, to Disney, an attack to Michael Eisner, um, there's a lot of stuff in there, and you know it would take forever to go through every single reference to Disney or to somewhere someone else. So we shan't do that. <laughs> um, we don't have that kind of time. But anyway, it was a big hit. It spawned, I think, four sequels at this point. Um, I stopped watching after the second sequel. The um, the first sequel, um, Shrek Two, is actually pretty good. But after that, I just I don't care. <laughs> I don't, but um, DreamWorks, seeing that this was going to be a franchise and a moneymaker, saw their eye to uh, Broadway, and they started thinking about um, doing a stage musical version of it, which, you know, for everything I, I'm going to say about this musical it makes sense on why they thought this. Um, Disney musicals have been doing very well. Um, it's a popular thing. Kids will want to go and see the show because they can see their characters come to life on stage. And because it has the history of, you know, being about, you know, fairy tale, pretty easy, easy to musicalize, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm trying to think of the best way to kind of preface everything this way. So I come from the, 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 the school of Stephen Sondheim. Um, and he has a philosophy that's called the Y musical, which he got from Mary Rogers, who is um, Richard Rogers' daughter, and Adam Gettle's mother. Um, the philosophy is basically that a musical, if you're going to do a musical, there has to be a reason that it's a musical. Now, what does that mean besides what it sounds like? What is the reason, what is, the, what is it that this musical, um, what is the point of, the, why do the characters need to sing? Is what is it about the characters that need to sing, and what kind of world are we going to live in, and what kind of musical problems are we going to solve? Now, all this sounds very academic stuff that you can talk about later, but it's very important things that you have to discuss before even getting into a musical. Here's an example: 
Do You Hear Walt? Very respectful play, Time in the Cuckoo, um, about some, you know, but Sondheim has said that that musical had no existence and no reason to be. There are musicals that are, that can be designed to be musicals, but the idea of why something is a musical is that music is meant to be part of the, that it elevates the story, that it, it is one in the other, that you can't take, that the music is at, as one with the story that you want to tell and the script that you want to tell, that, you know, and it's the difference between pop music and musicals in that, yeah, Send in the Clowns has been considered a big hit, music, a hit, hit bit song, but he hasn't, he never changed the lyrics. So why it's so mysterious is, is for people is because they're like, well, what is all this too? What does this mean? What is all this taken? But when you look at the context of the, sh of the musical, it's about um, a woman who was in theater, was an actress, and all the context in there is there for you to basically understand. And that's what I mean. Like take a show like Sweeney Todd, the beginning of that show begins with the DSRE, and then it goes right into the big um, uh, loud horn, and then it goes into that. And then you've set up a musical problem that that musical, that's what the musical is going to sound like. The lyrics are going to go like that attend the tale, Sweeney Todd, which is not something you would normally say. Usually you'd say, I'm going to tell you a story. This one was attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. We're going to talk like this. This is what it's going to sound like. This is what it's going to look like. This is the feeling and the mood. And I'm just going to spend the whole night, the rest of the night, setting that up. It's very similar to when someone is writing a symphony or a theme, like even a movie. The composer starts with a theme. So, you know, if you take like Indiana Jones, there's the main theme or E.T. or something like that that theme expands and expands and expands until at the very end it crescendos and it sometimes can be an emotional crescendo sometimes it can be an actual musical crescendo but it crescendos somehow and how you get there is part of the problem with musical you have to have reasons for the people to sing people singing in musicals they don't you know back at the beginning and that's one one of the episodes i will do a full history about dis about um broadway and how musical comedy as it originally was called just became a musical um but initially it began with vaudeville but then it then went to these silly shows where you'd sing a popular song and then people would come on and tell a joke and that was the book the book of the musical is very important the, the style of the musical. The reason why something has to be a musical has to be discussed by the creators, sometimes by the producers, and it has to be decided before any note, any dialogue, any character, anything is written down. You have to decide why does this need to be a musical. Characters can sing anywhere because, you know, you can have an example. I mean, Look at um, Million Dollar Quartet. All they do is sing, but it's because they're in a recording session. There's not really a story. You're just watching people pretend to be four rock and roll idols and singing tunes, you know. Um, 
Jersey Boys, even though they're already written songs, there's a there's methods to how they're doing it. Um, and so it seems more like a biopic, even though the movie version of Jersey Boys is terrible. Um, so you can easily say about Shrek, this needs to be a musical because it's a fairy tale. Okay, that's a great beginning of your argument. But here's the thing that's going to destroy it and keep destroying that point of view every time. Shrek doesn't sing. The character, Shrek, doesn't sing. An ogre spends their time trying to scare people away. You know, in a matter of singing, there's an emotion that's building up and carries you out. What we've known about Shrek's upbringing, it is, it, it is tragic. You know, his parents basically kick him out and say, you have to find your way in the world and don't trust anyone and don't believe in anyone. And when you go from that, so at the very beginning of the show, you have this, you know, melody going of, you know, uh, you know, it's a big, bright, beautiful world everywhere but not here, not with you. This, it, you, don't des- you don't deserve any of that. Right. So it jumps from him walking and leaving, and we don't know how he grows up or whatever. Then all of a sudden he arrives at his swamp, and he's happy. And he's singing by himself. This is terrible writing. Um, because he's saying, keep your big, bright, beautiful world, I'll party on my own anyway, doing what I can for the one-man conga line and all that stuff. This is terrible. This is terrible writing. Shrek doesn't sing. There's no reason for that character ever to sing a song. And if you think about his arc, which we'll talk about as we continue talking about the show, his arc is just he wants to be left alone. And that's not really compelling enough for a musical. For a musical, you need to have a driving, I want this thing. I want to be left alone. That's easily attainable. You just walk to another swamp. You walk somewhere else. Um, Going back to Sweeney Todd, I need to take revenge. Okay, that sounds very complicated. I even so much as I want to get the girl, I want to uh, get the job, I want to go to you know Pittsburgh. You have to set up this one. And the first time we meet Shrek, he has everything he wants. He's alone. He's got all this stuff. Shrek the musical, and uh, is not really about Shrek if we're going by that standard. You're 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 doing a prologue, but at the beginning of the prologue, he's happy where he is. And actually, if you think about it, he was happy with his family, he was sad for a little bit, and then he was happy again. For a musical, and why musicals and why they're musicals that you re- people remember is because they are, um, they are doing something in disguise. They are essentially um, giving the characters rise in dramatic tension. Whereas, so... A character sing is in a situation. They're singing a song, and at the end of the song, they arrive at a different place emotionally, intellectually, or even physically than they began. Now, so I begin the song, let's say, If I Loved You. I just met 
the girl of my dreams. So I'm thinking, if I loved you, if I loved you, I, things would be great. And at the end of the song, he realized, he says, well, I'm going to love you. That's how that's going to go. So that's, that's the journey of, of that song. Or even if you want to take um, a newer musical. Um, you take the song like Wait For It is Aaron Burr saying Hamilton's doing all this. He's going to get places. He's going to keep going places. But I'm going to wait for it. And we're going to see what happens. He begins by thinking about Hamilton's life and saying, that's one way to go. I mean, I could easily make decisions quicker and faster than, than I am. But no, I have watched people die. I've seen my parents die. I've seen all these people die. And I'm watching Hamilton rise as quickly as he can. He's going to fall somehow. So... At the end of the song, he's, he recommits to his, thing, his man, mandate of, I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to wait and see what happens. You know, so a song in a musical has to bring the characters from one place to another. The very beginning of Shrek brings him nowhere. It doesn't even really introduce him that well because he has, you know, yeah, he's funny, but he's not even likable. So it sets up a problem that is, that is, it's not a musical problem and it's not a problem with the musical. It's just a problem in general that you have a character that isn't really likable. You have a character who isn't moving any place and who doesn't have a dramatic arc. So you've already set yourself up. And the only reason people like it is because the style they chose is this kind of rock style kind of thing, but it's not even that well-intentioned. Um, When you're looking to plan your next Disney World, Disneyland, or Disney Cruise Line vacation, we suggest you reach out to Danielle Elliott at Marvelous Mouse Travels. Danielle is a long, uh, lifelong Disney enthusiast, a former Walt Disney World cast member, and a graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge. When you book with her, your booking includes 100% free concierge level services, uh, some of which include customizing the perfect Disney vacation package for your, you and your family and your budget, uh, booking those difficult to secure fast passes and dining reservations, uh, providing tips and tricks to get out the most of your vacation, and more. Uh, Danielle also monitors Disney promotions to help you save money for those uh, Disney trip veterans still be in control of all the details. Danielle will take care of all your needs so you can have all the fun and truly say Akuna Matata throughout your time at Disney. Contact her for your free quote at danielle.elliot at marvelousmousetravels, one word, dot com, or by messenger, messen, messaging her on her Facebook page. Okay, so we've set up the whole factor that very beginning doesn't do any favors for the rest of the musical. Okay. So the next part of the musical, we are introduced to the fairy tale creatures and they are being basically thrown out of the kingdom and into this one tiny area. Okay. So we have a problem because 
they don't grow in the, in this next song. It's an introduction song, but they don't grow in this song. Um, you know, story of my life. They kind of just recount their previous um, adventures, which you're looking at Pinocchio, you're looking at Peter Pan, you're looking at the three little pigs, you're looking at the, you know, Mama Bear and Papa Bear and the Big Bad Wolf. You know their stories. The minute you see them, you know what they've been through. So why are we wasting a song on them? To me, it makes absolutely no sense. It really doesn't. And it kind of irritates me because it's trying to be clever. And I shouldn't... So I should say, now that we're at kind of a point... Janine DeSori, who wrote the music, is by far one of the best composers we have right now in musical theater. You know, we have her, we have Adam Ghetto, we have David Yazbek, we have Jason Robert Brown, and we have Michael John Lacusa to name but a few. And if you want to throw um, Dave Mallory up there, sure. I don't really consider him, you know, a musical theater composer. He writes epic theater and it's it's complicated what he complicated what he does it's more of pop opera as opposed to musical musical theater but Janine Sori is right up there with the rest of the people who are going up and and that does include the Lopez's um, even though I kind of think he I kind of think he kind of peaked with um, Book of Mormon because um, now all his songs, all their songs sound the same to me. They don't sound any different. But anyway, so Janine DeSori is the best you got in terms of everything. She really is the best out there. I mean, look at Carolina, Change, uh, Violet, and Fun Home. Some of the best music I've heard in a long, long time. But you teamed her with David Lindsay Abair. Now, one thing we should mention about this guy and what I can tell just by looking at him and reading some of his plays, this guy's a populist. And I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, oh, he's an entertainer, he wants to, you know, he's writing for the audience. He's writing, he may not believe himself in what he's writing and what, but he knows that he can entertain an audience by writing and he knows what what points to hit and sometimes that's the most annoying writer you can have because they're not writing from a place of emotion and um from themselves they're writing because they know they can get a uh a, a, a tear or a laugh by doing this and me personally as a writer i don't write for an audience i write because i think it's good and then if an audience seems to like it, then yay to us. So, But he seems such like a populist, and he wants to be liked by everyone. So he's not the person to write Shrek. Because in the middle of all this, Shrek is complaining and, and making these sarcastic remarks. But all the time, you just feel that Shrek is he's a, conf he's a conflicted character, but not in a great reason. Because all the time he does i mean so let's jump ahead a little bit we don't really find out what shrek really wants we don't hear his i want song till the end of act one and it's it's pushed by a question by donkey 
if you could be anything you want, what would you be? And he sings about how he wants to be a knight in shining armor and get the girl and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. That's a great dream. I personally think it's bullshit because he never wanted that. He was told from the longest time that he, um, you know, that he was a certain way and that that was never going to happen. But that's not the point of I'm trying to make. He gives no indication that he begrudgingly does all these heroic things and saves the girl and, and you know, takes off his helmet and all this kinds of stuff. But when he sings Who I'd Be, it's so false. And you also can feel that, at least for me, the right, the, the Lindsay Bear only wrote it because he knew, okay, this is going to be the end of act one. We need to send everyone off with a big rousing tune. And this is the way we're going to do it. And it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. But it, but it's complete bullshit. It really is. And not only that, but spoiler alert, you give away the fact that Fiona is an ogre at the end of Act 1. You leave no mystery to the rest of the show of what we're building up to. That's why the movie worked, because we found out near the end that there was something else going on. We find out at the end of Act 1, and so the audience is like, oh, okay, well, clearly they're going to end up together because Fiona's never going to go for Farquaad. Um, and then Donkey is just such a unused character. There's nothing on Donkey that really gives him anything to do. He's just a sidekick. And at least in the movie, it's pushed by the performance by Eddie Murphy and by everything that happens that he wants a friend. That's all he wants is a friend. In the musical, we meet Donkey differently than we do in the movie. In the movie, he is part of the story of my life people and gang roundup, and he pretends that he's a regular donkey and he runs away, and then he bumps into Shrek and he cowers behind Shrek. He knows he's going to be captured. There's no indication that he's using Shrek basically to get himself out. He knows that he's done for and he's just, he's just really scared. In the musical version, and I don't know if this was Daniel Breaker's fault. But he's running away from the uh, from the knights like he does in the movie. But instead of just being scared and seeing someone who can maybe you know um, help him as a friend, he looks to Shrek and and has a look of, oh, I'm going to use this guy to help me. That's a terrible beginning to a friendship. And then he sings this song, Don't Let Me Go. The song, again, it begin, every song in a musical should propel the characters. It doesn't have to move the plot forward, but it has to move characters forward. It has to have you believe that the character is in one place at the beginning. He's, they have to sing this song. They have to sing a song to express their emotions or to get something out or to state something that they want. And then at the end of the song, either they got, got reassurance from the person, they got something else out of it, or they've decided on a new plan of action. Don't Let Me Go 
he sings to Shrek. It's the most annoying song in the world. And all he's doing is making comparisons with the two of them, how they could be a pair. Like all he's doing is like doing like this and that, like, you know, uh, Lauren Hardy, like this. And it's not a real song. It's just a list song. And it doesn't do what it should do. You know what I mean? And it's annoying because it could have been a really, it's kind of a funny song, but you're laughing at the cleverness of the writer and it doesn't feel like Donkey. And that's the other thing with all these songs. They're very clever. There's a lot of songs that are very clever that are very kind of, um, you know, oh, someone thought of that. That's that's a great rhyme. That's a great feeling. That's a great emotion. That's a great everything. But it just, it smacks of a writer. And Lindsay Bear wrote the book and the music and the, and the lyrics, rather. Um, it just smacks of someone just trying to be clever and the writer gets in the way. What's Up Duloc is a funny concept for a song, but it's not a funny song. It's a terrible song. It's really a terrible song. Um, I know it's today. Could have been, it could have been so um, emotional and it could have been a real good I want song for Princess Fiona of like all she wants is to be rescued and to be, but you know that from the beginning. And all she's doing, all it's doing is marking time so that you can get to know Fiona and you can like her. And there's a moment where she starts to go a little crazy. And it gets a laugh, but it gets a laugh because Sun Foster makes it work. It doesn't get a laugh because it's funny. And there's no real... If I was writing that musical, if I was writing that moment, it would set things up where you begin the song the same way. You know, you have young Fiona, then teen Fiona. And then finally, when you get to grown-up Fiona, um, she's lost hope. And you don't even have to call it. Maybe I know it's today. It's just she's lost hope, and she's like, I just I need to figure out a way to get out of this tower and go on my own adventure. That'd be a great ending to that song of like, I'm going to do this. And then the next time you see her, we're still, she's trying to get it. And then she sees Shrek coming and she's like, oh, yes, I'm going to be saved. All right, let's go. And that can propel her journey a little bit forward. It's a little sexist and on the nose and misogynist, but still, it, it at least does something different than what she does right there because the next time we see her, she's still singing, but she's singing by herself with a tambourine and it's supposed to be funny. And it's just, it's so. And then there's a song called Travel Song where it's literally just them walking and traveling and it doesn't do it. There's no reason for the song to exist. Donkey Pot Pie is supposedly when Donkey and, you know, flirts with the dragon and the dragon falls in love with. Um, you know, with Donkey, and it just, it doesn't feel, I mean, it just feels so out of place. In the movie, it worked fine, because you could do the whole um, displaying it's a girl dragon, but the minute they start singing in that uh, R&B style, you know it's a girl dragon. They're giving up so much of the information before you even get to that 
And then we get to act two and Fiona's singing morning person. I've always been a morning person. And she does this beautiful dance. It's a wonderful dance. And again, Janine Story knows how to write very nice jazzy pop tunes. There's no reason for the song. Sorry, there's no reason for the song. What is Fiona doing? She's waking up and she's just singing, oh, I'm a morning person. And then they go, it doesn't move the character along, doesn't move the plot along. It's just a dance break for the stupidest reason in the world. There's no, there's nothing that sets it up. There's nothing that brings it about. It's just, it, it, and it doesn't move the plot anywhere. And then you got the next song, which is I Think I Got You Beat, where Shrek and Fiona are trying to one-up each other. And that's supposed to be how they flirt and how they fall in love and how they get to like like each other. And then it turns into a fart. I mean, I'm all for poo humor and fart jokes, but some of this stuff is, it was, it, oh my God, it's so agonizing and painful. And the biggest thing that happens in the show, which gets me to a T, is Freak Flag. So the conceit of the show of Shrek the musical is that you have to accept your freakness, that you're a freak, that you're not like everyone else, and wear it as a badge of honor. That is a great sentiment if it didn't include the word freak. Um, they're trying to equate the freakness with saying, okay, if you, and I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, you know, oh, you're, you know, a different color or you look at yourself a different way or you're, you know, uh, transgender or gay or whatever. That's what the freak is. And I, it, it pains me that that's what they use as the um, synonym. You know, they use freak as a synonym for all of those what makes you different? Like if they just said something else of like, you know, we're fairy tale creatures, so we, we're unique. You know, if they use the word unique, that would have been much better. And the Freak Flag song is just so, it does nothing. It's supposed to build up to a crescendo so that they decide they're going to take their lives back again because they've been kicked out of, um, Shrek's Swamp again, um, because um, Fiona was delivered to Farquaad. Farquaad gave Shrek his Swamp back, and you know, all's right with the world. Um, and so, this is supposed to be their 11 hour um, song where they build it back up and, like, okay, we're gonna take our lives back and all this stuff. And yeah, but it doesn't do it because when we get to the finale, they come in after Shrek has already come in. Now, Shrek is the hero. They're just coming in as a second course to be like, oh, we got you. We got support. Okay, we're going to do our thing. And they don't do jack shit. Shrek, Donkey, and the dragon do everything. And all they do is just like say a couple funny lines and that's, that's it. They don't do anything. You know, they come in as a, a, a protest, but Farquaad was going to kill them all anyway, so it makes no sense. And and then at the end, they're singing, you know, this is who I am. 
And then they do the thing that some musicals always do, and it sometimes it frustrates me that they that it that they do this. They look out to the audience and say, "You are us, and we are you, and this is our story." And it's supposed to be poignant. It's supposed to be heartfelt, and it's supposed to basically make you cry and be like, "Oh my God, yes, this is how I feel." They've done so much. The problem with this is they decided to go in the line of the um, the movie and basically just make everything um, funny and just make it like, oh, you know, we're going to be do slide humor. We're going to do the kind of humor you see on television on Saturday Night Live or Conan or whatever. And uh, we'll worry about the love later and all that kind of stuff. You don't get to feel real connections with any of these characters like when there's the moment where shrek wants to talk to her you know when words fail if words fail then then there's no song and the song itself is a terrible terrible song it's one of the worst songs in the show and then he sings a song called i'm gonna build a wall well first of all in this day and age, we're not building walls. <laughs> we're tearing them down. Um, and, and second of all, he had it at the beginning that he should just left be left me alone. So that song should just be, leave me alone. Finally, just leave me alone. This musical does not work. And again, as I said before, it's a great franchise. It's a great story. And, you know, the whole idea of, a, of a, an ogre being the hero of his story and getting the girl, that's great. In the original children's book, the girl was, didn't become an ogre. She accepted him for who he was and loved him because they had a connection. That doesn't happen in this musical. There's no connection, you know. They end up together because they end up looking like each other. So they're like, oh... You're me and I'm you. Let's be together and let's do this. It, there's no emotion that feels like this is what the story's been leading to and this is what the music has been leading to. It's the worst kind of idea for any of that. And that's why I hate this musical. And again, it goes back to why does this exist? There is no reason that this musical exists. You know, there are some great tunes, there's some funny moments, but Basically, if you see the musical, it's the screen. They basically took the screenplay and put it on stage and added a few extra things. And Lindsay Bear decided to write on the nose dialogue and on the nose lyrics and show how clever we think he is. And Janine Desori did the best she could and she did a good job. But man, this, this, this is a terrible musical. And it, it's, there's no reason that it exists. It's not telling us anything new. Yes, you can at me and say, well, it's telling us we're all unique and all that stuff. It's not, it really is not. It's saying that, it's not even saying that. None of the songs push the characters together, uh, uh, forward. None of it does what a musical should do. None of it allows you to emotionally connect with 
the characters. And I've watched it a good many times because, like I said, there's parts of it I do like. And, you know, Janine DeSore did her job. And the fact that it ends with I'm a believer, like the movie does, you know, you get your money's worth. But it's not a good musical. It's not at all something that is memorable. You know, you forget half the songs when you leave the, uh, you know, when you leave the theater. You know, it's not a great musical, and it doesn't. It does. It's not going to stand the test of time, and it doesn't belong. It just. It shouldn't exist. And it. And it's one of those musicals that I like. I say all the time. Um, writers need to think more about why they are writing, why this speaks to them, and why it should be written in the first place. I think halfway through, because Act Two suffers a great deal because they realize, oh, we have all this story we got to get to. And there's points where there's no songs whatsoever because they realize, oh, we can't stop and sing a song. We have to just keep going with the plot. Um, that's when you realize you're in trouble and you just have to just keep going. But it, there's no reason for this musical to exist. There's no reason the characters should sing um it would have been better if it was just a play and you know make it like i said before just put the screenplay on stage and add a couple extra jokes here and there and if you want to have a character sing or not in the music in the movie of shrek they don't sing in fact they make jokes all the time about not wanting to break into a song or or anything like that you know what i mean and that's what they should have done here, just make it into a play. And when someone's about to jump into a song, tell them, no, no, shut up, you know. Um, but to me, like I said, and this came at a time where there were three other musicals that were nominated for Tonys at the time. Billy, I, uh, Billy Elliot, which is a brilliant musical, which hopefully we'll talk about later. Nine to Five, which is an admirable musical. It, it kind of has the same problems that Shrek has. And then you got Next to Normal which is a brilliant, brilliant musical. And they found a way to make the theatrics and the music one in the same. You can't take next to normal, take out the songs and let the book tell the story. You can't take the book out and let the songs tell the story. It's one in the same. And that's what I mean when a musical should exist. You can take the songs out of Shrek and it's a perfectly great play because it's the screenplay. You can take the story out of the Shrek songs because some of them are good, some of them are not that great, um, but they can they can um, exist independent of each other. That's not a great musical. That's not a musical at all. The musical language and the lyrical language has to be one and the same, and you have to feel like all the characters feel this way, and that the characters then sing something that is led through by dialogue, led through by the characters. You can't have a character sing and speak differently in a musical. It, it, you can tell it shows up like a, like a, a poor, um, um, what do I want to say? It, it, it's, it's like a, you notice it. It really is noticeable. And trust me, if you don't, think it is see a musical where you realize oh the musical is the, the songs are can be independent they could have gone on an album and just been like songs inspired by shrek you know 
so that's why I don't like this musical. That's why I don't like the show. Um, and like I said, I could go on forever talking about this one, but um, I don't know if I have that kind of time. But um, that's kind of how I feel. Um, and like I said, it tries to come up with this great message of we're all unique, we're all individuals, and we should embrace that. And I believe that we should embrace that. If you are who you are, then that's who you are. And don't ever let anyone um, um, tell you otherwise or make you feel um, like you're less of a person because you're a little bit different. You should be different. But when you use the word freak to make your point, it really bothers me. But anyway, that was Shrek the Musical. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, like I said, I will do some more ones where I do deep dives into things that don't work and shouldn't work and aren't that great, even though people think they are. Um, again, I want to shout out Chris Rose, who um, his podcast, Mass Mouse Fans, which I am a contributor on, um, is on all wherever you can find podcasts. Again, it's Mass Mouse Fans. Um, and he's a great friend, and, he, and he'll be on the show soon. Um, I do want to let people know that I am planning on having guests. Um, I have talked to a couple people, and um, including my wife, and there will be, um, you know, like I said, I will have guests on the show eventually. It's just a matter of booking them and finding the time. But um, anyway, I thank you all so, so much for listening. Please spread the word. Please continue listening. Um, I really appreciate every single one of you. Um, if you have... Um, recommendations or if you have um, movies, music, or theater productions that you want me to watch and comment on and do episodes on, please email me at matthew.garland at gmail.com. I do, I will answer every message. Um, and I, but I just want to thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. And I hope you continue to do so. Um, but thank you very much and uh, take care of yourselves. <laughs>